Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to day seven of the French Open, our seventh daily tennis podcast from the French Open 2019, eighth if you include our glorious preview show. The whole back catalogue is available if you'd like to uh, delve into it and get some out-of-date tennis news. But uh, yeah, we're going to be bringing you up-to-date tennis news from day eight, from a glorious, absolutely scorching Saturday here in Paris. Myself, Catherine Ritiger, alongside Matt Roberts with thanks to a distant David Law for stepping into the breach uh, last night after what was a very distressing experience. I'm pleased to say it's in the past. I'm fine. Um, yeah, it was upsetting, and I'm I'm slightly further upset that that I ha- I've seen sort of seemingly no reaction from uh, the French Tennis Federation from from Guy Fourget about about the situation out there because it was really really serious, and they're incredibly lucky. I think no one was injured, in which case they're, they're very lucky. But an awful lot of people were very, very s- distressed. And uh, to, to see that overlooked is a little bit disappointing. I recognise the, the argument that court one is already scheduled to be knocked down. So this is only a problem for the next seven days and probably only for the next couple of days. Or maybe even only today, because from, from tomorrow onwards, the court one will be uh, not in use for, for main draw singles action. But... Nonetheless, um, I would have liked to have seen it addressed in a slightly more meaningful way. But bottom line, no one was hurt and that's an immense relief. And I'm very pleased to be back on the tennis podcast today to talk about, Matt, the world number one crashing out at the hands of Katerina Siniakova. And perhaps not surprisingly so. I mean, on... On one hand, you know, I was interpreting her previous struggles in the opening rounds as evidence of her being invincible, even when she's playing badly. But maybe there were, in fact, evidence of her not quite being in the right form to win the French Open. I feel a fool, Matt. I feel a fool. Well, join the club. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the singles number one knocked out by the doubles number one. Uh, And Siniakova herself said that... I, I felt like there was an opportunity today. I, I sensed she wasn't reading into what we were reading into a circus matches. We were seeing it as evidence that she was probably going to win this thing. But Siniakova said, I felt like she wasn't playing with as much confidence. And I went on the court 
with a game plan to disrupt her and with belief that I could. Is that line from Siniakova then, is that uh, substantiation to something that Mats Valander said in an interview I did with him yesterday about he thinks that all this, all these admissions, as great as they are for the media, all these admissions of feeling pressure and nerves are actually a, t- a terrible, terrible own goal because you're you're revealing your weaknesses to your opponent. I mean, my feeling is that emotions aren't weaknesses, but, <laughs> I mean, Siniakova obviously smelled an opportunity and took it. Yeah, perhaps, but I, I think mainly I got the impression that Siniakova was just simply reading into Osaka's results, less so in terms of maybe what she'd been saying. And for me, the, the great thing about Osaka, as much as it's great for us that she's so honest and open and self-aware in press I think that, I do think that's a really positive thing for her because we've seen in her press conference today it was almost we were just talking about it, it was almost like a cathartic experience for her it was she used it to put today behind her in a way she's incredibly disappointed about it she said on a on a disappointment scale of one to ten I'm a hundred and I mean I'm disappointed at her use of use of maths and yes. data there but Point taken, Naomi. Point, take, point made, point taken. And her press conference started out with a great big dark cloud over it. She was really did disappointed. It, did it feel strange in the room? Was it a sort of? Did it feel like a dark, sad room, Absolutely. full of full of disappointed Japanese journalists that aren't going to get the space in their paper that they would have been getting had Osaka continued to to progress? You know, these results they have an impact on everyone, on everyone. don't they? Yeah. But she did open up as the press conference went on and she started to gain a bit of perspective on her clay court season, that it had been her best one yet. Um, of, be- of about three. Yeah, not a, not a great sample size there, but it's a step forward on clay for her. It's a, it's a step back in terms of what she was hoping to do and, and she admitted that trying to win the Canada Grand Slam was on her mind and she thinks that may have had a negative effect and the best thing for her now she said is losing because that's that's gone now that pressure she said this really endearing thing about oh well I realize now why (laughs) so few people have done it yeah it turns out it's really hard it's really hard yeah (laughs) um but it was quite shocking to be watching her and not seeing her summon her best because yeah, I mean, she was a certain 40 down and I just casually tossed out to, unfortunately, many people, <laughs> oh, she's definitely going to win this. I just, I just didn't have a doubt in my mind. And there was a lot of evidence as to why we should think like that because she's been in this situation so often. But I think, I think it just puts into focus how incredible her run has been because this, this run could have should have ended earlier she's been on the brink so many times and yet she, because of who she is because of how special she is she's managed to pull through just today she didn't have it and we now have the answer to the question of how do you beat Naomi Osaka at a slam how do you how did she and will it work against Madison Keys in the next round who I know you're watching like a hawk Matt I am yeah I've just I just think Madison Keys Courtney Nguyen calls her major keys in that she always peeks at these slams. Has she started doing Brad Gilbert-style nicknames? Possibly. Possibly. Courtney. <laughs> but it's true. Her, her record at these slams is so consistent. I was, didn't quite have time to f- fully look at this stat, but I think of the past seven 
slam she's been the most consistent player in terms of reaching the second week fourth round obviously her barrier seems to be quarterfinals semi-finals the question with Madison Keys is can can she win a slam but not having to face Osaka you'd think would be helpful for her but Siniakova credit to her because she played a three hour ten minute match against Sakari and came out today looking like the more energetic one that's something Osaka kept saying about how tired she was almost as though there was like a weight on her because of the whole number one because of everything she was trying to achieve but she admitted Siniakova had reason to be tired as well and she didn't let that get to her it's another good advert for playing doubles isn't it it feels like those pro the pro column for singles players playing doubles it's getting longer and longer longer and longer yeah I like it mm. no she's she's a she's a player who uses her double skills you see on the singles court she plays with variety and it just as much as anything I just gives it just gives her knowledge of how to handle experiences of matches as we talk there are still a number of women's matches that are well just getting underway or yet to get underway because they were scheduled uh, last on today Serena Williams against Sophia Kennan we both like Sophia Kennan don't we we do yeah we I mean that might be the last time we mention her, <laughs> most likely. And if it's not, we might come back for, for an emergency pod. But uh, that's what Serena's got ahead of it. Ash Barty against Petra, um, not Petra Kvitova, Andrea Petkovic. That is still to come on uh, Suzanne Longnan, the winner of those two matches I've just, membered, uh, just mentioned to meet in the fourth round. Now, it might be a while before Petkovic and Barty get on to Longnan because Dominic Team is embroiled. Matt, he's very much embroiled. He's two sets to one and four five against Pablo Cuevas. It's not where you want to be, is it? No, I'm not sure what to make of teams level in this tournament, really. I thought he was going to really have a good French Open, but he's now lost a set in every match. And his, I kind of saw his role in this draw as to be the one who might take some legs away from Nadal or, or well, Djokovic, because he's in Djokovic's half, but... If he gets there, he'll have he, no legs. If he keeps having these, he's going to have no legs himself to take Djokovic's away. Um, and I think Monfils would be his next match. And Monfils, who by ridiculous contrast has been ruthlessly efficient, ruthlessly efficient, said no one ever, and under the radar, Gael Monfils. Who'd have thought it? Um, yeah, it, is is Monfils a, is he a, a thing? I think, he's a, I think he's a big threat to team if team comes through this. And I wouldn't have thought that at the start of the tournament. But team's tennis just doesn't seem to be, doesn't no. seem to be there. It's, it's sort of an 8 out of 10 at the moment for team. And we all know it needs to be a, a 10 out of 10 to, to contend. Uh, Monfils, yeah, said ruthlessly efficient against uh, Huang, his uh, fellow Frenchman. That was on Chatrier earlier. Also on Chatre, we saw Simona Halep this morning finally get a straight sets win, and it felt like she was trying to lower her average on court time with a 6-2-6-1 win over Leisha Serenko, a, a very limpy Leisha Serenko. Apparently, she's got a reputation as being a bit of a an injury exaggerator, but she looked pretty convincingly injured to me. But Simona Halep also looked very good indeed. Yeah, Simona Halep, who has been, who's had the who's had the lurgy a little bit. She's had a stomach bug through the first few days. One of one of many, it seems. Is she also at the uh, Mercure Balloon? Not Bellons. that I've seen. If she is, I'm sure she's in a suite up at the top. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was the kind of performance she needed, just her best of the week. I'm not sure it was 
A+, but it was better than in her previous matches. She says she thinks about the win here last year. She thinks about lifting that trophy every single day every single day and she said in a in an interview that came out in uh, in the new yorker this week really interesting yeah. insight into swaina halep she said that the night sh- that she she won the title last year she slept with the trophy in the bed alongside her and the next morning she woke up and it was the first thing that she saw and she just grinned from ear to ear and i'm so pleased to hear that she enjoyed that moment that win every much as she, every bit as much as she hoped she would because so often those feelings are bittersweet aren't they or either bittersweet or there's so much disbelief that you're not able to appreciate them I think that was the case for Andy Murray when he won his first slam and when he won his first Wimbledon and it it was there was such a contrast when he won his second mm. Wimbledon title it was there was something so much more pure about the emotion and there's always the next thing to win isn't there and particularly if you win Roland Garros because within a month you've got another Grand Slam yeah well I remember interviewing Halep at Wimbledon and uh, she said I feel like Wimbledon's just come too soon like the 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 tennis tour is just too relentless give me a moment I need to stop time stop the world from turning so I can enjoy what I've just done I found that I mean so obvious so what yeah of course you want to go away and enjoy something but it's all um it's all very transient somehow uh, what else did we see on Chatrier who was second on Chatrier uh, the conclusion of Tsitsipas Krajanovic which turned into a really good match I think it started getting really good late yesterday evening our eyes were our attention was elsewhere but Krajanovic fought back in that third set yesterday looked like he was going to take it to a fourth Tsitsipas ended up levelling the match and they resumed today at 5-all in the third and Sitsipas came out today and he, he admitted he was low on energy levels really low oh that bodes well for his big match against Wawrinka tomorrow yeah <laughs> he um, won't need too much spoiler, energy for that Stan he'll Wawrinka be fine Grigor yeah um, yeah everyone was on the edge of the edge of their seats about that one but I think I think Kranovic is an underrated player he's got all the shots he's quite stylish with it as well and he just had an absolute stinker when he went to serve for the fourth set. He made four unforced errors, and then Sitsipas raised his level in the tiebreak. And I think he really felt the importance of getting it done in four because of his energy levels being quite low. An ill-timed stinker. Yes, we've all had him. Yeah, I had one at lunch again, Matt. <laughs> oh, you didn't go for the. Uh... I went for the trout because I thought yesterday meat panned out badly. Today, safe option trout dreadful absolute pile of mush (laughs) so for the remainder of this tournament i will be attempting to prove the theory that a person can survive on chips and chips alone today was actually my first meal without chips (laughs) what did you have (laughs) uh roast potatoes instead with the lamb veg was it cooked lamb yeah it was cooked did they bother cooking it lovely (laughs) Lovely. How long was the queue behind you while you waited yeah, for your Apoin lamb? Lengthy, but I thought <laughs> sodden, to be honest. <laughs> right, OK. Well, I just keep getting it wrong. Chips it is for me from now on. What else have we got? Well, Suzanne Longland has seen, well, is still seeing Dominic Team. Could be seeing Dominic Team for an awful lot longer. We've seen Sasha Zverev. Actually, should we do Djokovic? We should probably do Djokovic first. I keep, I keep sort of bumping him down the running order because it was so 
so un- uh, unnotable in it in its efficiency and I mean he was just brilliant what, what, he was just brilliant yeah I've not I've not watched a huge amount of Djokovic this tournament because there's or of Salvatore Caruso no, who, I'm, right. who I'm nimbly avoiding <laughs> having to say too much about because he's the world number 147 I think he'd probably admit to being surprised at finding himself in the third round and um, by no means disgraced himself but Djokovic is he's just too good for guys like that he is and he's doing a very good job of winning matches efficiently and easily and it's it's easy to forget the pressure surrounding him at this tournament he is going for a slice of history which is Big slice. huge that would that would really elevate him I'm not sure how he can be elevated much more, but this would be it. This is the. Well, I think he feels he needs to be elevated. Yeah, and this is this is the thing now that can alter his status. It's all in, about things that books. those other two haven't done, yeah, isn't and it? You know, I really fixate on the fact that Federer hasn't got that Olympic singles gold. I think, in his mind, that is big because you know, and Nadal has has that Olympic singles gold, and he has the head-to-head against Federer. These are all things that that will be asterisks against you know just the Grand Slam title count and I think those are important for Djokovic and this would be an enormous one and so far he's yeah he's doing a fantastic job of just coasting through I mean he's had a he's had a kind draw but he's making the most of it and now he gets to play Jan Lennard Struff, who I can only assume will be sort of wheeled onto Half court human. for that match in some kind of wheelchair or stretcher or, I mean, how is he going to have anything left after four and a half hours against Borna Choric today? A brilliant, brilliant match. Um, I think Choric served for it in the fifth. Yeah. Um, and had a, had a stinker. Yeah. Um, but God, he's big and strong, Struff. He's built in the Vavrinka mould, isn't he? And the comparisons to Vavrinka, I would say, go one further in that he's a bit of a late bloomer because he's 29. And I was, I was just feel like he's been underranked for so long. He's had, he's had, the, he's got weapons. Whenever I watch him, I think, oh, Struff's good. <laughs> and yet he's sort of never. You've thought that about people before. I, they this is true. <laughs> Um, but this year he's had a load of top 20 wins I think this year and this is his best result at a slam and if, if he weren't going into I mean I, I I watched quite a lot of that match with Borna Choric out on court 14 mm. was it fantastic atmosphere it was a brilliant match uh, and he and he was he was great but I <laughs> I I just cannot see how he's going to have anything in the tank to take on Djokovic which is your nightmare opponent if you've got nothing left the, in the tank there, but there was something very cruel about watching that match and seeing all the effort they were putting in and knowing that Djokovic was just waiting in the next round yeah but all other things being equal if they're both going into a, that match with the same level of stress of, of, of freshness is Strift somebody could, that could trouble Djokovic big, beefy, strong I think as a matchup more so than Choric we hmm. saw we saw Djokovic absolutely take Choric apart. I think it was in Shanghai last year in the final when Choric was in his best form. He'd beaten Federer in the semis, but then he came up against Djokovic and it was like that whole Nishikori thing. You think, okay, this matchup just doesn't work for Choric. Djokovic just does everything better. But Struff, with a big serve and a huge forehand, you'd think could you know, punch some holes. It's but all academic, though, because uh, he's going to be walking like my granddad <laughs> onto court for that one. Uh, Zverev. Zverev, 
hung on. He'd made it, Matt, into round four. But what was he doing? What was he He's doing? two sets to love against Dusan Lajevic. And we all know it's not ending there. And I, and here he is. And then he finds it. So you know, he loses the, the third set. Fine. Yeah, you're expecting that. And then he pretty much tanks away. As soon as he goes a breakdown in the fourth, you know that set's gone. He knows that set's gone. He did make it through in five. Two of those unnecessary. Um, this was over uh, Dusan Lajevic, who, of course, did beat him here last year. So look, there, are, there are positives to... There are positive boys to cling to in an ocean of doubt for Alexander Zverev, but boy, is he a frustrating watch at the moment, continuing, continuing to be. Yeah, and I'm just getting a bit tired of it all. <laughs> I just think part of me when I watch when I'm watching, thinking, okay, this is really compelling. This is a big seed in a battle. I want to watch it, but equally. I'm thinking, oh, well, this is so predictable. We've seen this all before. Why can't he change the narrative surrounding him? He just he, Possibly because he, he doesn't have a coach with him. I know his dad is very involved, but I was watching a lot of that match with Mats Verlander. I was putting your theory to him, Matt, that, that he's pushed the Lendl button too soon, that, that by pushing the Lendl button, he was sort of saying, well, he thinks he's only only needs that one extra ingredient the one extra sprinkle of something special to get him over the Grand Slam line and actually he needs a heck of a lot more than that and Lendl's, Lendl's not the guy to do mm. the to do the hard the yards hard work, yeah. um, I mean he's not the guy to do any yards at the moment <laughs> because he's playing golf in Florida or whatever he's doing, stocking up on Pyroton um, I mean he might yet make an appearance, who knows Go, going deep I think is what he said would be the Zverev going deep would be the circumstances yeah although he said today you'll see him for the grass right I, okay I, I, don't, so, I don't think he's coming at all if, even if even if Zverev goes deep right um, so we could have the scenario where Alexander Zverev wins the French Open and his coach Ivan Lendl is not here for it he's not going to win the French Open <laughs> right <laughs> I just... <laughs> um, Shall I stop worrying about that scenario? Yeah, I just... And the thing is, he does get... Like, I like Zverev. I like that he's quite charming, quite funny in interviews, but there's a side to him which is really quite defensive about everything. And he'll get asked a question, and he'll say, oh, I've already answered that. And the journalist doesn't necessarily... They're not going to have read every no, single I, transcript. I, it's that element of his approach to press conferences that I find extremely rude, actually. I really take issue with that because the, the arrogance of it. To, you're sort of saying, well, haven't you attended every single one of my press conferences in the past? And if you haven't, how dare you? And why haven't you read all the transcripts? Yeah. It's, it's so dismissive and arrogant and it, it, oh, it annoys me. And yet there are elements to him that I find really charming. Matt's was saying he thinks he needs to have more of a sense of humour about his game. He needs to sit down and watch that Lajovic match with a coach. Who <laughs> that might be, I don't know. And sort of have a laugh at it. Have someone take take the piss out of him and say, why did why on earth did he hit that backhand, Sasha? What, why did he go for that shot then? That was a ridiculous thing to do. What are you playing at? There was one good sign in that today he said something along the lines of, I obviously haven't figured out what best of five means because... I seem to think that it means must play five. five sets. So that was quite funny. But equally, 
yeah, figure out what best of five means and figure. What are you doing three. to try and figure it out? What are you, because because his game for me is Djokovic like, and Djokovic like is sort of metronomic efficiency, and he, that's what he that's what his game is built for. It's not. Oh, yeah, the grinding from meters behind the baseline. It's just not a good look for someone who's got so much to offer. It, it's it's frustrating, but he won, and he plays for Nini, and he plays for Nini, and by I can't stark wait for contrast, <laughs> I think Fanini is a factor here. I mean, he's already a factor because this is only his second time ever into the fourth round of a slam. Is that right? No, no. Have it, I? Have I? I don't know, to be Is honest. That a he's, he's only ever reached the quarterfinals uh, of the slam once. I was close, Matt. So leave the stats to Matt. <laughs> That's what we've learned here. But well, he's mean, nearly there. And if if Zverev were to beat him, it would be by far his best win ranking-wise at a slam. I think. I mean, today was his best win, wasn't it? it? Was Hasn't he never second, beaten? It was uh, his second best win ranking-wise. Okay. Note to self again: leave the stats <laughs> to Matt. Okay. Um, yeah, Demir Juma was his best win at a slam ranking-wise. Alexander Zverev, that's the same Alexander Zverev who's number three in the world, been number three in the world, and won the ATP Finals, won Masters. He is a curiosity, isn't it, he? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think Fanini goes into that match as, as a favourite. I agree. I think beating Roberto Bautista a good today, four sets, I think it was. That felt big. There's a, there's a, you, you can't cheat beating Roberto no. Bautista. You can't go out there and go, ah, oh, I'm just going to be flashy and, and, you know, wane with my focus and concentration. And yeah, if it goes my way, I'll win. You've got to go out there with the, with your game face on, with a sort of workmanlike attitude to, to your job. Um, we, these are not words we associate with Fabio Fanini, but he did it today. And he also, re- I felt like it could have fallen away from him when Bautista, he was two sets love up, Fanini, Bautista gets the third set, and, and it could have gone, oh, hang on, Fanini could go off here. All, all sorts could start going down. He didn't. He steadied the ship, and he just proceeded in an orderly fashion towards the finish line. And these are things that you just don't say about Fabio Fanini. Yeah, I thought there was two likely outcomes of that match one would be that Fanini just had his best tennis and had too many options and was able to kind of pick Bautista Agu apart in a way that we've seen Federer do quite a lot that didn't happen another likely scenario I thought was Bautista Agu would just grind Fanini down after a really long set and Fanini would basically give up that didn't happen and to his immense credit Fanini just thought I need to go into war. I need to go into the trenches to beat this guy, and he did that. And that is that's a really positive sign that Fanini's able to produce that kind of tennis. Before we have a quick look ahead to tomorrow, Matt, you've you've got a new darling, and I suspect you want to talk about it because she's actually done a thing. Yeah, the one I've mentioned least might be the best. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She's very young though, seventeen. Yeah, she she's had a. 18th birthday, sandwiched in between oh, her, yeah, last, she just turned 18. her last two victories. Yeah, Iga, is it Eager or Iger? Eager, I believe it is. Eager Swiatek, Swiatek of Poland, and she beat Monica Puig from a from a bagel first set. I was I was very tempted to message our WhatsApp group and saying, "Why do I always pick the worst <laughs> possible predictions and the worst possible people?" Our uh, our Eurosport uh, producer Tom out here 
works incredibly hard and is pretty much chained to a, a, a desk in a windowless room. And, and today he decided, right, I've had a week of this. I haven't seen a tennis ball struck. I'm going to go out and I'm going to watch some tennis. And uh, Annabelle Croft is there and she says, oh, go out and watch that Swiatek. She's, she's great. Annabelle's a real fan of her. I think she saw her en route to that junior title at Wimbledon last year. And so Tom goes, all right, I'm going to go out to court number one and I'm going to check out the future of tennis in uh, Iga Swiatek. <laughs> And, it, and he uh, takes his seat and uh, <laughs> she loses five games in a row, can't get a ball in court. <laughs> and he comes back and he goes, hmm, I don't feel like I've seen the future of tennis. <laughs> and then, though, Matt, maybe he's just some sort of... Bad luck. Yeah. Yeah, like me, because my... <laughs> um, yeah, she, I mean, she's great. She has a lot of tools. She has a... She has an incredible kick serve, which is such a weapon in women's tennis, especially. Like Sam Stoza. Yeah. So, and I'm really interested, I need to watch more of her, but I'm really interested in that she's played clearly well on grass and with her kick serve really transfers well to the clay. Who would you see more of her against next? I'm looking up the draw. Well, I'm just assuming you know this off I the do. top of your head, Matt. She's got Simona Halep next, oh. which probably bad news we for We know what her. happened when Kuzmova played Halep, don't we? The match that <laughs> must not be named. Well, it was so brief. Yeah. That it doesn't exactly uh, bring up too many memories. Um, how is Magal Bolsova, who I can't quite remember her first name, but I've decided she's she's my Aliona Aliona Bolsova, unexpectedly of Spain. Uh, she is taken to the court against uh, Alexandrova at the moment. I quite, I mean, yeah, she sounds cool. Yeah, she does. Yeah, uh, but we don't know if she's won yet, so we'll avoid talking about her too much. She takes on the winner of Anisim- uh, the winner of Anisimova against Begu, also just getting underway. So there's quite a lot still to be resolved. Anisimova, another one with the Lurgy, because she pulled mm. out of her doubles yesterday with a slicing a viral infection, I think. So who was responsible for this Lurgy? The meat supplies they, they all had raw cow <laughs> that is where it all started going wrong for me yesterday uh, with my raw cow lunch I mean it was literally bleeding across the plate it was disgusting anyway um, tomorrow it's quite a day Chatrier features Federer and Nadal back to back in the, the middle two matches of the day I find the schedule quite interesting actually it starts off over there with uh, Martic against Kanepi and rounds off with Muguruza against Stevens. That's not where I'd have put that match, but I don't know about all the factors that go into that order of play. But, yeah, I'm putting Muguruza Stevens... Second or third. Second or third. We all know those are the, the, the prime spots. That's where I'd be putting the, that match. I spoke to Kim Close's that match earlier today. Uh, she's, I said, if they both play their best, who wins? She said, Stevens. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with Kim Close. Frankly, I feel that way about every match. With Stevens? Yeah, I... I I believe when she plays her best, she is the best tennis player. Even Serena? Even Serena. Wow. I would still say Serena. Mainly because of Serena's serve. I just think she can hold her own service game so easy when she's playing well. and that frees When her did up. we last see that? Agreed. It hasn't been I don't. For are we talking about a best that doesn't exist anymore? Possibly. But I, I think... Mean, we I'm not saying that's the case I'm just saying there is a question mark there for me she has played some the odd very good match I mean the main one I think of is the Azarenka match where that if Serena finds that level she 
she will win every match she plays, I think, including Stevens. But agreed, Muguruza Stevens tomorrow is fascinating. Not much to go on because I think the head to heads won all. Yeah, and never played on never clay. Never played on clay. That match is the pick of them on Chatrier for me. Yeah, there's Federer uh, against Maya, Nadal against Londero. I've avoided that because I know nothing, Matt. I know nothing about, I think his first name is Juan. Yeah, Juan Londero, Argentinian. Good on we'll, clay, but we'll not as good on there. clay as Nadal. <laughs> we'll leave that there. <laughs> uh, Longlen is the place to be. It starts with... Vondrusova Sevastova. Yeah, which is a great match. Great match. The drop shot dragon against the just the the great Anastasia Sevastova. Um, and then it's Joe Conta against Donna Vekic. I spoke to her today. She's really nice, Donna Vekic. She didn't give me anything. I said, oh, what what, what are you expecting from that Conta? I'm expecting a great match. But specifically, tennis-wise, tactics-wise, what are you expecting? I'm just expecting a great tennis match. Uh, okay. She went, all, she went all Amanda and yeah. this is over on you. Yeah. Good luck, Donna. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it is Sitsipas against Vavrinka. What's happening, Matt? Well, I'm salivating. That's what's happening. Um, if this gosh. match disappoints, then I let's thought, all just go home. Yeah. I thought... The thing about Stan, arguably he impressed me even more against Dimitrov than he did against Garin, because Garin, he, he was just firing winners all over the place. It was insane. But today he, sh- he showed what he's showed in Grand Slams before, is an ability to play long points, to hustle, to defend, to make matches physical. And that's something he mentioned tomorrow, that he wants to make it physical against Sitsipas. He Even though he's giving up what, 10, 12 years on Sitsipas, I still think he thinks he's got the physical edge in that match. He doesn't say an awful lot to the press, Dan Varenka. He's sort of one of those people that's really likeable, but then you think he's saying a lot, but he's really not saying much at all. And sort of, I, I did a short interview with him after the, the, the Dimitrov resumption today, and if you'd read it as a transcript, he wouldn't have given you anything at all about the Sitsipas match, but boy, did he have a glint in his eye, Matt. I mean, he looked to me like a ridiculously confident man I I think he could win it I know his draw is horrendous I'm not saying he's going to I'm not changing my prediction have you just predicted Stan Wawrinka to win the French Open no I thought you were I thought you were predicting him for that that match he's in the mix Matt he's definitely in the mix 100% in the mix something he did mention that really helped him on court one was the crowd how he felt so energised in front of a packed stadium right well I can confirm that it was packed it could have been packed about 4,000 times over but but I'm, I'm saying I hope Longland is packed tomorrow I'm sure it will be but I was worried that if that was on Shatria we've seen all week that the lower bowl of Shatria the, the posh seats are just not full unless Federer's playing basically Eric Sayu a French journalist is, is really campaigning hard lobbying the FFT to introduce some kind of bums on seats policy which would have a dual positive impact and uh, of, of alleviating the the the, the crowds and the, the bottlenecks and also having providing better crowds for these glorious tennis matches and the least they could do is move the VIP area up a bit So because just the optics of seeing the court and empty seats around the court it's always full right at the top mm. but the optics of no one there by the court is just really bad and must be sort of flattening for the players Mary Carrillo provo- uh, pro- pro- uh, proposed um, 
a an elevated walkway system as some sort of solution um and yeah i mean do it my position after yesterday is do something something needs doing look into it i know it's difficult i know the site is the size that it is but figure it out because something needs doing there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. And we're back. And that can only mean one thing. It means that I've had a very disappointing dinner involving some soggy vegetables and some lamb... And Serena Williams has followed Naomi Osaka out of the French Open. Matt and I are currently watching live pictures of Sonia slash Sophia Kennan. We're going to urgently uh, figure out what we should be calling her by because she has just beaten Serena Williams and is being interviewed by Fabrice Santoro on the Philippe Chatrier court. Her dad is watching on. She's really emotional. She can barely believe it. She obviously was containing an awful lot throughout the course of those two sets during which she beat Serena Williams because boy was she feisty and composed for those two sets Matt yeah but it looked like a serious ordeal to get over the line didn't it we don't we don't actually often watch tennis together really do we it's something that really happens that we get that opportunity but we were both gripped by what we just saw because that's that's Serena all over isn't it whenever someone is trying to beat her you're not just trying to win that match. You're trying to. You're playing the aura of Serena, and Kenin is the perfect personality type to be able to handle that. You you put it so well. What you said about how you can't intimidate Sophia Kenin. Yeah, there's a bit of Daniel Collins about her, isn't she? And Serena Williams. That's and very smartly so. That's a huge part of her 
her tactics when she steps out on a tennis court is to try and intimidate her opponent. It's won her countless matches over the years. It's been the it's been the X factor and Sophia Kennan wasn't having any of it. Have I called her both Sonia and Sophia already in this minute and a half of podcast? She's just not having any of it. She's impervious to it. Same as Danielle Collins. It probably is extremely grating if you're up the end, other end of the tennis court. But it's, boy, is it effective. And it's the perfect personality type for an upset. We, Our mind watching this went back to Melbourne with Danielle Collins playing Angelique Kerber. The scoreline when we started watching this was similar. Kennan was up by a set in the break and you said to me, Matt, who's your money on? And I said, Kennan, because she's not going to be intimidated by the situation. But then, to her immense credit, when Serena did break back, we both kind of thought, OK, now Serena could run away with this. But Kennan kept it together and got another break. And that was hugely admirable Kenin will now play Ash Barty who's won through also during the period while I was eating my disappointing dinner the only match still remaining on court is Anisimova against Bego Bego she's serving for it though Anisimova who Matt just said to me thinks he thinks she has the best backhand in tennis I feel quite strongly about that. <laughs> it's it's an absolute marvel, her back. And she can do anything with it. I'm going to make sure I get to see that up close on... When will it be? Monday, when she next plays. So Alison Mover will play Bolsova. Yes, we need to... She has won. We need to find I out never, even more about nev- Bolsova. Never in doubt. Well, I mean, the French Open app doesn't know anything about Bolsova. Yes. Uh, you click on her name. Where is she? Oh, I'm going to have to do a lot of scrolling here. Live scrolling. That's what people tune into the tennis podcast for. What court was she on, Matt? Here she is. You click on um, Aliona. I've learnt her name now. You click on Aliona Bolsova, 6275 over Alexandrova. You click on her and it says, wait, nothing. Height, nothing. Main hand, nothing. They don't even know which hand she holds the racket in. I, I think we all need to do a little bit of learning <laughs> about Aliona Bolsova. So that is the expected uh, round of 16 match. Serena not going to be in it. Just as a final thought, Matt, what does this mean for Serena? Does it is it kind of meaningless in terms of the grass court season? I put the question to you a few minutes ago, do we think she'll play a warm-up tournament on grass? Because evidently not playing a lot of matches at the moment is not panning out brilliantly for her. What does it mean? We are in a completely unprecedented situation in her career now where I think she's... I think this is the longest stretch of slams that she's played and not won one. And it just feels like every with every passing slam, it gets harder. But... This, this, the French Open, without much warm-up on clay and her least favourite surface, was always going to be the one which would have been the toughest. Coming up, she's probably got her two best shots, Wimbledon and the US Open. But also the most pressure, therefore, and it's very evident to me, not least because she's admitted to it, but it's very evident how much she's feeling the pressure. We saw sort of body language from her in that match that we're not, used to seeing sort of doing that squeezing her thumb and forefinger mm. over the bridge of her nose thing that people do in, only in times of in stress. intense strife yeah so I don't know I mean she's going to come to press shortly we'll have a listen to what she has to say if there's anything notable we'll be bringing it tomorrow of course the knee injury is another question mark Patrick Mortogli said to me a few days ago that yes she's paying, playing in a certain degree of pain but he believes that it's it's not anything to be hugely concerned about so Lots of question marks. 
Will she get to 24, Matt? Oh, he's he's done a face at me like, ah, that's not a fair question. That's a David Law question. I know. He's not here, though. I have to, <laughs> I have to do my bit. Come on. I, I still think she will. I, I liked the Andy Roddick quote that he gave us on the podcast just because I know how damn stubborn she is. So, yes, I would, I would say she still will. But if it doesn't happen this year... I think I Time's might change. I think I might be changing my answer. I think these two next two slams are going to be so fascinating in the career of Serena Williams. Meanwhile, though, you know how David Law said that Ash Barty would win a slam this year. It's opened up. <laughs> she is in the mix once again. <laughs> we've been the tennis podcast, brought to you in association with the Telegraph, with our executive producers, tennisballs.com, with Rio with a Y, and that really is it for tonight. We'll be back tomorrow. 